All right, everyone, it's time again for another episode of Engineer On. Today, we're going to focus on a pretty important topic for just about everyone, and that is marketing yourself. Now, before we get started, I want to hear from you. Up until now, I've pretty much done all the talking, but I'm interested in your opinions too. So here's my question. If you could change one thing about the world to make it a better place, for you or for anyone really, what would that one thing be and why? It could be anything. Comment below and let me know. Okay, now on to marketing yourself. This is a pretty cool topic because it really does apply to everyone in their own little way. While we'll primarily focus on the job market, these concepts could really be applied during your everyday life too. I mean, you want to meet new friends? Well, you want to market yourself to them as interesting and friendly, right? Different things like that. You're really trying to control how others perceive you and their impression of you. Now, in the job market, there are two different components to projecting your image, and that's in person and on paper. And in just a little bit, we'll cover both of those. So without further ado, let's get to it. Engineer on marketing yourself. All right, question one. How do I form a self-image? This is deceptively simple, because how much work could it be? You are who you are, right? Well, yes and no. While yes, you should absolutely be yourself, you don't want to lie to people about who you are, forming a self-image is really about accentuating the parts of yourself that you want to focus on. And the better defined that image is, the more successful you'll be when it comes to marketing yourself out there. Now, you can form this image mentally, but I actually encourage you to even sit down and write it out. This will give you a hard definition of what you want the world to see. So what are the steps to defining a self-image? Well, step one is to identify your target audience. Is it an employer? Is it a friendly neighbor? Is it someone you're looking to date? Is it someone who you're just trying to impress? Figure out who it is that you're trying to market yourself to. Then step two is to perform a self-evaluation. Who are you? What are your talents? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What makes you attractive to your target audience? Take a look at yourself through a very realistic point of view. Maybe make a list. And if you can, find someone you trust that can be honest with you, who can sit down and lend their opinion of you themselves. Get their perspective on you. It's really, really important that this list is an accurate representation of who you are. You are your product, and you can't sell your product unless you know everything about it. Luckily, you probably know yourself better than most people, so it should be fairly easy. After you've got this accurate definition and view of who you are, then you can start extrapolating the aspects of yourself that make up your self-image. Now, this is where we have to walk a pretty thin line because it's okay to mention things you're working toward, but you don't want to push it. Now, for example, if I'm going for a job as, say, an administrative assistant, a secretary, but I don't really have much experience with Microsoft Word or Excel, 
but I am learning, I shouldn't include in my self-image that I'm an expert at using these programs, but it is okay to include that I'm capable of using these programs. My general rule of thumb when it comes to this stuff is it's okay to include that skill or that aspect of yourself that you're working on if you can learn it well enough or master it well enough to complete a task in a reasonable given time frame. So to use the secretary example, if I think I can learn how to use the programs to make a spreadsheet in say a couple hours, then it's okay to include that skill in your image. Otherwise, you want to work on it a little more and then go back and include it later when you revisit and reshape your self-image. Then after you've pulled out those specific aspects you want to include, now it's time to figure out what is your unique selling point. What makes you different from the competition? Why are you special? There is something or many things probably that make you stand out among the rest. What is it in your case? Uh, is it special training or some unique past experience? Something like that. This is what makes you stand up and stand out. Finally, once you've got your image pretty well figured out, now it's time to sprinkle on some personality. Make sure you shape your image to include your interests, your hobbies, and really anything that makes you, you. This is where you'll be the most memorable. If you're in an interview, that manager or whoever sitting across from you is going to have interviewed between 5 and 15 people that day, and they all have pretty similar credentials. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there interviewing. Your personality, those little quirks that make you, you, your interests, your hobbies, that'll give them a reason to like you more than the others. Uh, do you like horseback riding? Well, maybe your interviewer has a niece that went horseback riding once or something, and that'll spark a story. Now that interviewer places you in their mind as something different, something special. You're no longer in an interview. You're just two people having a conversation at that point. This takes a lot of pressure off, and you'll both be more relaxed for it. Then even if you aren't the most qualified, that interviewer will probably consider you for the position because you're a cool person and you'll probably fit in with the rest of the team. So that's a general look at how you can form your self-image. But keep in mind, this image will probably change depending on the situation. You might not be playing to the same target audience, which means the relevant aspects of yourself might change. So keep in mind, even though your self-image will be well-defined, certain aspects will change depending on the situation. So to recap those steps, one, identify your target audience. Two, perform a self-evaluation. Three, pull out those relevant aspects of yourself. Four, figure out your unique selling point. And then five, sprinkle on top a little personality to make it interesting. And that, my friends, is how you form a self-image. Okay, next up, after you've got this really well-defined self-image, how do you go about projecting that image out there? Now, for this, we'll really talk about two different methods, and this is what we mentioned earlier, either in person or on paper. I'll cover the on-paper method in just a bit, so for now, let's just explore the in-person. Now, when we're talking about the job market, in-person really means at uh, job fairs or during an interview, situations like that. But outside of the professional realm, this really could be anything. 
anytime you're out meeting people like uh, a game night or a paint night or maybe you go out dancing, anything really along those lines. So when you're out in public, how do you project this image? Well, first you have to realize you're always on stage. No matter where you are or what you're doing, imagine that you're performing every second that you're outside. Everything you do should be in the character of your image. The way you carry yourself, the way you speak, the way you walk and talk, everything should fit into the image that you are projecting out to the world. Now, this may sound simple, and for some of you, it probably is. But for most of us, this takes a really well-defined self-image and lots and lots of practice. It can be a little bit difficult to remember all the time that you're trying to project this image out there. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when you lose sight of your image, you're no longer in control of how people see you. Which again doesn't mean that they'll perceive you in a bad light, but you might not be giving off the exact impression that you want to be. So keep in mind just that you're always on stage. So when you're projecting your image in an in-person situation, what are the things that you should keep in mind? Well, remember that target audience? Yeah, now it's time to discover how to connect with that audience. If I'm talking to a group of uh, 70-year-old executives of uh, some huge company, well, I'm going to talk to them much more differently than some guy that I meet at the supermarket. So the best way to figure out how to connect to your target audience is to know your audience super well. There are lots of different ways you can do that. Uh, you can go online and read about how to connect to certain demographics. There's lots of stuff on that. But I really think the best way is to just get out in the world and to talk to people and then form your own general opinions based on your own impressions. And what do you really need to know about them? Well, know why they care about you and your life. What is it that's motivating them to listen to you? Everyone wants to get something out of your conversation with them. It might be that they're sitting there hoping you're going to blow them away with your skills and qualifications and for a certain job position. Or it might just be that they're looking to kill some time with an interesting person. Either way, you should give that person what they want. And of course, do it in a way that makes them like you. Now that statement might sound obvious, but it's something that really does take practice. I mean, how are you supposed to show someone that you're good and interesting without sounding conceited or arrogant? Now that's a whole other topic entirely, but in short, my two tips for that are, one, really listen and genuinely be interested in the other person. And two, let things come up naturally in conversation. Don't try to force in certain aspects of yourself. Now, along these same lines, you should figure out how to get your audience interested right from the very start. In literature, this is called the hook. The way you get the reader interested from the very first sentence. A lot of this has to do with how you carry yourself. If you look interesting and friendly and important and professional, well, People will notice and they'll want to talk to you. And aside from your look, the way you speak and act also will play into it. Now, let's say you're able to strike up a conversation with someone. Or let's say you approach a recruiter at a job fair. How are you supposed to start? This is where a lot of us have issues. You, I mean, you can't really just come out and say, Hi, I'm Ed Jones and I won a Nobel Prize. 
while yes, that's interesting and the other person will likely want to know more about it, it's a little abrupt and kind of awkward because where do you go from there, right? So let your demeanor be the initial hook that gets people interested. And then you can work into the conversation all those interesting little things about you. So if Ed Jones approaches someone, he can start like anyone else would. Hi, my name's Ed Jones, and I'm really interested to hear more about your company, blah, 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 or whatever the circumstance is. And then later, he can get into what he does and what he likes, and then he'll say something, well, actually, I want to know about prize for my new method of, I don't know, growing pears or something. Now, the thing that brings all of this together is confidence. If you can be confident in yourself and in your image, well, then the world is your oyster. People are naturally drawn to confidence. And that change in you is really noticeable. If you're walking taller, if you're more relaxed and you just look like you know what the heck is going on, people will like that. Now, I know this is much, much easier said than done. But the better to find yourself images and the more practice you get at it, the easier it will be. In fact, try this. Next time you go out, it can be anywhere. Just pretend that you're super confident in whatever you're doing, even if it's the first time you've ever done it. Just pretend like you're awesome at it. Whenever anyone asks me for advice about how to project confidence, when they're in a situation they really don't know what they're doing or how to do it, my advice is always just pretend you're good at it. You might not have any idea where you are or what to do next, but you'll seem like you do. And you might be pretending or acting, but that feeling of confidence, that's real. And it changes everything. So let's wrap up this question with a quick recap. How do you project your image? Well, connect with your audience by knowing them really well and knowing what they want. And make sure your demeanor and your confidence level matches the image you want to project because you're always on stage. Now, we're going to stick with this whole in-person discussion for just a little bit more because the next question is how do I become a good conversationalist? Well, let's first talk about why it's hard to be a good conversationalist. First of all, most of us are humans. And as humans, we have this fear of being deemed useless because way back when we were you know, tribal beings, if we didn't have a use, we were kicked out of the tribe. And that often meant we didn't survive. Now today, the stakes are much less dire and it's more like we just don't want to seem awkward, right? So how exactly do we get past that? Well, that awkwardness usually comes when we don't really know what to say next. But a good conversationalist will keep driving the conversation, so there's never really a lull. Now, if you're really, really good, this comes naturally, and you'll slide through topics without even noticing it. But if you don't have much practice in this area, here's what I suggest you do. Memorize a short list of topics that could really fit into any conversation. Now, it doesn't have to be super generic like the weather, even though that actually is a good topic because it's something we can all relate to and it might spark a story, but it can be more interesting and unique to you. 
some really neat past experience or a, a funny story or a cool project, anything like that. And when you have a big enough arsenal of topics, well, then you can pick and choose which ones are most interesting to the other person and then spark further conversation. Now, a lot of these will be stories and such that you're going to tell over and over again, especially if it's in an interview setting. So for these, I recommend you give it some thought so your story seems organized with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Probably a punchline or two in there too. The easier your story is to follow, the more impressive it'll seem and the more enjoyable it is for the listener. The other way to propel a conversation is by asking questions. People love talking about themselves because it's something they know quite a bit about, and it makes them feel important and interesting. So if you don't have many stories of your own, which is an issue with many young adults and students, get really good at asking questions. But make sure you're really interested in these questions because it's really easy to spot when someone is just asking questions and not actually listening, then it's offensive. But practice this with your family and friends. Typically, older people are better at this because they have more life experience to draw on and therefore they have more stories and information to share. I say practice because it does take practice. Sometimes you're just too caught up in the story to actually think of a question. Or you have a question, but by the time you get a chance to ask, you've forgotten it. So call up grandma or grandpa and ask some questions. They'll love you even if you are awkward. Now I'll end this question with just some general conversational tips. First, focus on your diction. If you're not easy to understand, then people will be less willing to talk to you. A way you can improve this is by taking anything, a novel, a, a grocery label, anything, and read it out loud and really spit out those consonants. Overdo it so you can work out those muscles and when you do talk to someone, it'll be less work to enunciate. The next on the list is eye contact, and this one's always tricky. How much is too much? How much is too little? Ah, who knows? It's something that can be kind of difficult. The trick to this, and I know it sounds easier than it actually is, but don't overthink it. In fact, don't think about it at all. Let it happen naturally. Look away when you feel you should. Let your eyes decide. If you're struggling with this, I have a little method to get you more comfortable with eye contact. First, practice with a dog or a baby. For whatever reason, it's much, much easier to stare into a baby's eyes and talk to them for a while. And then take note of your eye contact habits when there's no pressure. Then, when you've mastered the baby or dog test, move on to someone you're super comfortable with but who can partake in the conversation, like a, a best friend or a parent or a sibling. And again, take note of your eye contact. Finally, bring what you've learned out to the real world and see how it goes. It absolutely will get easier over time, I promise. And then my last tip is just relax and enjoy the conversation. Humans are social beings. We thrive off of interaction with others. So try to have fun. Have conversations with people you're interested in about topics you like. Talk to a professor or a colleague. The more you enjoy the conversation, the more enjoyable it'll be. Or the other person. Okay, so we've covered this whole in-person self-marketing stuff. And contrary to popular belief, that's the easy part. The hard part is projecting your image through writing. 
So this last question is officially, what goes on a resume? First, let's start by discussing what a resume actually is. At its most basic level, a resume is a summary of you. And some people will say it's a summary of your professional qualifications, but in my opinion, it goes a lot farther than that. Your resume should tell a story. The story of your life. Not your whole life, of course, but the relevant aspects of your life. Well, what should you include on your resume? What sections should you have? First and foremost, we want to make sure that it's super easy for the person looking at your resume to get in contact with you. So you want your name and contact information right up top, front and center. This is where you'll put your name, your number, email address, uh, a website if you have one. And you can include your mailing address if you have room, but it's not really super important anymore because they're just going to email you most of the material anyway. If on a rare occasion they need to mail you something, well, then they'll just send you an email and ask for your mailing address. Now, often people will then include an objective or a short one to two line summary of yourself, something like um, enthusiastic recent graduate who is looking to pursue a position in my field of passion or something along those lines. This idea of an objective is pretty outdated. And that's because your whole resume should really portray what is in your objective. So don't waste valuable space on something that's redundant. So I recommend you skip the objective unless the person you're applying to specifically asks for one. The next section really depends on where you are in your career. If you're a recent graduate, then you'll want to include your education next. However, if you've been in the field for more than two or three years, you'll want to put your work experience next. Under your education, only include your most relevant degrees or certificates. For example, if you have a bachelor's degree, then don't include a high school diploma. Whatever your education level, though, you'll want to include what type of education you got. Like mine would be a BS in electrical and computer engineering. As well as the institution from which you received the degree or certification, like uh, Rowan University. And then when you're graduating or when you've graduated, uh, I would put May 2018. If you have a GPA of more than 3.0, you can feel free to put that down too. But aside from that, there really shouldn't be much more to your education section. Then in the work experience section, you'll want to include the past three or four most relevant positions you've held. And then include your job title, company, years you worked there, and three or four duties and accomplishments. Your duties and accomplishments should be a bulleted list that's very brief, but very detailed. You should tell the reader how you changed the company for the better. You want to show them that you had a significant impact. Now, those are really the only required sections, but I recommend you include a skills section where you list a bunch of things you're good at. One to two word phrases like um, Microsoft Office, graphic design, website design, those kinds of things. This is a really great place for you to include industry buzzwords. And I also think you should include a projects and research section if you have something to include there. This section is where most of your interview conversation will stem from. Give yourself something to talk about and give the interviewer a source for questions. If you find your resume is a little bit light, which is a problem for a lot of students and recent graduates, then you can always include an interest section where you talk about hobbies and other things you like. This again provides fuel for conversation. This is by no means written in stone. If there is something else you want to include, then do it. 
Each of us is unique, and so your resume should follow suit. Well, it seems like we're out of questions for today. Now, I've only just scratched the surface of marketing yourself. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, please let me know. I'd love to talk to you more about this, especially if you're preparing for an interview because I've got lots and lots of tips and tricks. So message me. Now, as always, you've got questions, I've got answers. So drop a question in the comments or head on over to engineeron.tech slash contact and send me a message there. And don't forget my question to you. If you could change one thing about the world, what would it be and why? Comment your answer below and I'll share my answer during the next episode. Speaking of which, don't miss my next episode airing on April 5th, Engineer on Time Management, where we'll discuss how to win that battle against our common foe, deadlines. I'm Aaron Yanello. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Engineer on. Engineer on.